Oh, what a great day. What a great day just to remember God's love for us. We'll go back to our message series next week and wrap up the series on healing hurts and building healthy relationships. But this morning, we pause from that so we can do uh, the the obvious and capitalize on the opportunity to talk about what real love is and the love that God has shown us in Jesus Christ that sets the standard uh, for love and what love is really all about. This morning with the kids in our 930 service, we had a great time and that's what we talked about. The theme for this morning was simply God loves you. And isn't that a great reminder? You know, sometimes when I say that, God loves you, you know who comes to mind? The two people that come to mind, Adam and Eve. Because for a moment, they thought they had lost it all. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Adam and Eve, it comes in the book of Genesis. It opens the Bible, and it's because of the sin of Adam and Eve that we are separated from God in relationship. But it's because of Christ we can come back into that relationship. But can you imagine just being Adam and Eve for a moment Uh, Because of their sin, their disobedience against God, they are evicted from the Garden of Eden. And so begins the journey of humanity in sin. But I have no doubt that in that moment that that God sent them away, and you'll remember the Bible says uh, he actually clothed them before they departed. He sacrificed the first animals ever sacrificed on behalf of someone else, and he put clothes on them. Don't you think, I mean, just in your mind's eye, let's use our imagination, that the Father looked at them and said, don't forget, I love you. Don't forget, I love you. Because sometimes we forget. We forget God loves us. We are such a mess, and we make such a mess of so much. And then we try to fill in the gaps with human relationships, thinking those relationships can take the place. In 2008, some researchers in Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, did an extensive study of the way that romantic comedies, motion pictures, impact human relationships. They studied more than 40 films, and then they studied people and researched. They they brought together couples, and, and they asked them, how does this impact you? You know what they found? That romantic comedies and motion pictures, and therefore on television as well, have an adverse effect on human relationships and what we understand about love. An adverse effect, not a positive effect. Because they set the standard so high, we come into relationships with unrealistic expectations of what our uh, beloved is going to be able to do in loving us. So we're ultimately unfulfilled because they've set the standard in in those motion pictures. Uh, You've got mail, love actually, all those kinds of movies. So the standard is set so high, there's no way a human being can meet that, and ultimately we are disappointed. But you know what the good news is? Even though human relationships will almost inevitably disappoint, doesn't mean they have to break apart, but sometimes we disappoint each other. But the good news is God never disappoints us. God never lets us down. You can trust God wholeheartedly, and the love that he says he has for you, he'll never let you down. He'll never disappoint you. This morning we're going to return to a very familiar passage of scripture, probably one of the best known scriptures in all of the Bible, even if people have never read the Bible at all, never been in church at all, will we'll have heard of this verse for no other reason than somebody scrawled it across their chest at a football game. So if you have your Bible, find with me John 3.16, the gospel of John, third chapter, verse 16. Uh, briefly setting the stage for it, a man named Nicodemus that the Bible characterizes 
as a smart man, a teacher of the law, and well-respected, came to Jesus at night so that he wouldn't be found out. He, he was uh, not really wanting his peers to know that he was seeking out the carpenter from Nazareth for information about God. So he comes to Jesus at night, and he asks him how to please God, how to have a relationship with God, how to, uh, what does Jesus teach about that? And Jesus' response is, you must be born again. And he says, well, how can I be born again? I can't go back into my mother's womb. He says, no, you must be born again spiritually. That is, you need to start your spiritual life over in Christ. By trusting Christ as your Savior, you start over. And then the rest of the Gospel of John chapter 13 elaborates on that conversation. And that's where we get this very famous verse. John chapter 3 and verse 16. John chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, For God loved the world in this way. Now you may have learned that God, for God so loved the world, uh, but as we're reading it this morning, a different translation, and one that focuses on what the Greek is saying, that how God loves, this is how God loves. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. You may remember the well-known American preacher and evangelist, Billy Graham. And Billy Graham's whole life was called up in preaching the biblical gospel, the love of God in Jesus Christ, and how we can repent of our sins and come back to Christ. And he impacted millions of people in his lifetime because of that. His whole ministry circulated around this one verse. In fact, he would often say, this is the gospel and the love of God in one verse. And he loved it so much that when he would preach outside, knowing that crowds of hundreds and thousands would come that evening or the next day, and he would preach outside and do a sound check. He would show up and, and uh, in this great arena or outdoor stadium or auditorium, he would do a sound check. You know how he did a sound check? He would quote John 3.16 as loud as he could. Because he believed if anybody that day uh, was an earshot and just heard John 3.16, they needed to hear of the love of God in Jesus Christ. They needed to know how much God loved them, and not only how much God loved them, but how God loved them. And that's what we're going to focus on for a few minutes this morning. We're going to refresh ourselves in the love of God in Jesus Christ. How God loves you. That's what I want you to park on for a moment this morning. How God loves you, as it's expressed and echoed in John 3.16. If you're a believer in Christ, you're in this room this morning, or you're online with us let this bolster your faith. Remember God's love for you and how God loves you. Because these, what we're going to look at this morning, the way God loves us is universally true. This is God's nature. This is how God loves. But if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, this may be the first time you've heard this, or it may be the first time that it connects with you, and you realize today is the day you want to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior because of how God loves you. I'm going to give you an opportunity, an opportunity to do that at the end of the hour today. But let's look at this for a moment. Just, just go back to the text and let's consider together how God loves you, how God loves us, and the ways that he does that. First of all, won't you see, God loves you intentionally. God loves you intentionally. Valentine's Day tends to be a day of emotion. And we think about romantic love. And romantic love is based on how we feel about each other. So we take action to express our feelings. We buy flowers, we buy candy, we go out to eat, we do maybe take romantic holidays or trips, but we express our love 
by in those feelings. We, we, we think of romantic love as a feeling. And that's okay because God wired us to have romantic feelings and to have feelings of love. But sometimes we forget that feelings can be fleeting. You might look at your beloved today and you're, you're all warm and gooey sitting beside him or sitting beside her and, and see the best thing that ever happened to you. Tomorrow they forget to brush their teeth and you feel completely differently. Feelings can be fleeting at times. They can come and they can go and we can restoke those feelings as well. And that's why we have days like Valentine's Day to, to restoke those feelings. Here's the thing. God's love for you has nothing to do with how he feels. God's love for you is an intentional choice of your designer, your creator. He loves you because he made you. He loves you because he loves you. And that's it. For God so loved the world. The term translated love, we meet many times in the Bible. We even talked about it just a few weeks ago. The word translated love in the Greek, for God so loved, is agape. That Christian word that captures the sacrificial, unconditional, continual uh, love that God has for us. And that's the love he wants believers to express for one another as well. But we learn it from him. We don't come by it naturally. We come by it supernaturally as God makes it happen in us. But God is the one who loves you that way. And the phrase, God so loved, or God loved in this way, that past tense means that it is a continual, absolute fact. It will never change. God loves this way. He loves the world this way, and you and I are included in the world. God loves you intentionally. He loves you with his actions. He doesn't take it to chance or leave it to chance. He, it's, not emotion, it's not an emotion for him, although God is, an, is emotional. That's why we have emotions. He created us. God has emotions as well. But his love is not predicated on those emotions. His love is a fact of his nature. And he loves you because he made you. He loves you because he loves you. And nothing will ever change that. Did you know human beings yearn to know they are loved just for who they are? It's woven into our nature. Netflix has a show called Love is Blind that launched just about a year ago and became immensely popular before it went off again. And there's a, a big conversation on, uh, on the Internet about when they're going to come back with Love is Blind or how many more seasons of Love is Blind they will have. Well, here's the, the, the premise of the show. It's pretty simple. Uh, two people come together, and they're put in separate rooms. They don't see each other. And for a certain amount of time in the show, they never see one another, but they can talk to each other from room to room. They can get to know one another. And the show progresses to the point where the man is going to propose to the woman, and that's the first time they actually see one another, is when he is about to propose. And it's an immensely popular show on streaming video and on Netflix. Why? Well, the creators knew outright that it would be popular. And they say, we know why it's popular, because it taps into the yearning of all human beings to be loved for who they are, not for how they look, not for how they perform. And in an age of social media, we are measured by our performance and by our looks, by our likes, by our shares, by what we do, how we look. We post pictures on Facebook constantly reminding the world how wonderful our lives are and how great we look. Because we want people to love us. 
And we want to get those likes and we want to get those shares. And the creators knew that we were at a point in a cult, as a culture where people just want to be loved for who they are. I've got news for you. God has always loved you that way. God has always loved you. He just loved you. He made you. He created you. It's a fact, and it won't change. God loves you intentionally. The second thing we're reminded of is that God loves you generously. God loves you generously. The theme of today has been how God loves us. And the Bible does, it just reminds us constantly, here's how God loves you. He gave His one and only Son. That's how He loves you. He gave His one and only Son. The book of Romans chapter 5 says that God demonstrated His own love toward us. That is, He acted it out. He took action. He demonstrated His own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you and me to, to realize that, hey, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior he went ahead and provided the way so when we did realize we were sinners in need of a Savior, the way would have been made through Christ. It's already, God's done all the heavy lifting. He's already shown us His love. He's demonstrated in this, God gave His one and only Son. The term translated gave can even mean donate. But what it def definitely means is gave freely. God gave freely His one and only Son. As human beings, we can somewhat grasp the gravity of giving your child, especially if we mean for that child to be sacrificed on behalf of someone else, which is what this, myth, this, this passage means, that God gave His Son as a sacrifice for humanity. The Bible bears that out continually. And so we can imagine what it might be like to give your child up as a sacrifice for someone else. That kind of love is just hard to fathom. Hard to fathom. In fact, we would be more likely to give ourselves rather than give our child. And the beauty of God's relationship, remember the Bible teaches God is one God in three persons, not three gods. And I say, Pastor Bob, I don't understand that. That's okay. We're not gods. We don't understand it fully. But we do know the Bible teaches God is one God in three persons. And those three persons are Father, Son, and Spirit. And in this passage, God loved the world in this way. That's the Father God. That's God the Father. Loved the world in this way. What did He do? He gave God the Son as a sacrifice for our sins. And they agreed on this. Philippians chapter 2 says that the Son of God Himself decided in agreement with the Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father who themselves are in perfect unity and in a loving relationship, He decided Himself to step out of His glory not to give away his deity, he was still God in human flesh, but to step out of his glory, to come to earth, to live as Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and me. But it started with the Heavenly Father saying, that's how much I love them. You see, God orchestrates our salvation, and the Son of God implements it, makes it happen. And God loved you so much that he gave lavishly and generously. And the thing is, he continues to do that. He continues to do that. And when you trust Christ as your Savior, you receive His love, His grace lavishly. He doesn't hold back in His love for you. God is not, uh, is not stingy in His love for you. God loves generously. God loves lavishly. And God loves to love you, to, to show you that love throughout your life, every day. God loves you. And He loves you that much. He, he loves generously. We kind of think generosity at Valentine's Day looks like, well, I'll give flowers and candy this year. 
That's generous. Uh, instead of going to the buffet, uh, we'll go to Outback. That, that's generous. I mean, that, that's a big expenditure, right? When the Bible says that God gave, it means God gave all he could to those he loved to show you how much he loves you. He held nothing back. And he continues to love us generously. He continues to love us generously. That means this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, because you, you think you're too messy, you've got too many past problems, uh, you're, you're worried that he'll reject you, I've I got news for you. God is ready to love you lavishly and generously. And he will not hold back. His love for you, how do I know that? How, how do I know he won't hold back his love for you? Because of Jesus Christ and because of the cross and because God gave Jesus for you and for me. God loves you intentionally. It's not an accident. It's not his feelings. God loves you generously. And then third, the passage reminds us, God loves you perfectly. Perfect love is hard to come by, isn't it? We never actually uh, experience perfect love on earth because we're not perfect. We're fallen, uh, frail people and and flawed at the core, where we're sinners, even when we're saved, we still, we're not perfect. But God already loves you perfectly. He's already established a perfect love toward you. That everyone who believes in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. Well, let's break that down just a minute. That everyone who believes in him. We like to talk about inclusion in our culture, like that's a brand new thing. No, it started with God. God said, I love everybody. I just love everybody. And everyone has the same option and the same opportunity. In Christ, every human being can come to Christ, be saved, and have eternal life. Every human being. Now that means it's that human being's choice as well. That once you know the gospel, once you hear the gospel, once you understand God's love for you, now it's your choice, your decision to trust Christ as your Savior or to refuse to trust Christ as your Savior. But God put it out there perfectly. There, there, there are no exclusions to it. And there, there's no expiration date on it. Everyone who trusts Christ has the same outcome and the same experience. And everyone who refuses to trust Christ has the same outcome and the same experience. What is that? Well, he tells us what it is. That everyone who believes in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. So those who do not believe in him, that is, who refuse Christ, it says they perish. What does that mean? They spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. And the Bible's very specific about that. We're not making that up. The Bible says there is a place distinct from heaven for those who refuse Christ. But what's most distinctive and what distinguishes being apart from him is the separation from God. To perish is to refuse the gospel of Jesus Christ for eternity and to say, I'll spend my eternity separated from my creator who loves me so much. He gave me opportunity. He sent his son for me. He told me specifically what to do to believe in him. And yet I still refused. Now I will spend eternity away from him, separated from him. But for those who believe in Jesus, they will receive eternal life. The Bible says they'll receive the right to become children of God. 
The Bible describes it in a variety of ways. But that eternal life, that eternal life is the love of God. it's, It's God giving you resurrection life in Him. You know, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Bible says God gave you eternal life. God saved you by the same power He raised Jesus from the dead. Did you know that? Because it's resurrection life in you. It's eternal life in you. And that life belongs to God. So God comes to you. And there we have the third person of God, the Holy Spirit, giving you that eternal life. So you and I can't even mess that up. Once God gives it to us and we receive it as a gift from Him, this perfect gift of love, we have that eternal life. We get to live in that eternal life from this point forward. We spend eternity with our Creator from this point forward. We belong to Him. And we're back in the family of God. It's perfect love. We can't mess it up, but we can refuse it. We can refuse it. The key term in all of that is those who believe in Him. Those who believe in Him. Some translations say believe on Him. But those who believe in Jesus Christ will receive from our loving loving Heavenly Father will receive eternal life. His free gift. And the free gift of God in Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to believe in Him? What, What does that mean? Does it mean you you just believe that he exists? Well, I believe God exists. Does it mean that you say the occasional prayer at the breakfast table or when you go to lunch today on Valentine's Day, you say grace? I believe God exists. That's not what it means. No, the Bible says Satan believes that God exists. The demons believe that God exists. They're not saved. They don't have a relationship with God. So what does it mean to believe in him? The phrase means to rely completely upon him, to surrender completely to him. All your pretensions, all your agenda, all your good works, all your great knowledge of of church and your religion and all those things, you say, that's not going to get me saved. That's not going to change my life. That's not going to make any difference. Instead, I'm going to give my life back to the one who created me. I'm going to trust him completely because his love is absolute and his love is perfect. And I keep messing this thing up. I'm not good enough to change my life or to please God. But Jesus has done it for me. So I'm going to put all my trust and all my faith and all my reliance on Jesus. That's what it means to believe in Him. To believe in Him absolutely and completely. And you will receive that eternal life that your Father has planned for you because He loves you that much. At home, don't raise your hands. In the room, don't raise your hands. But how many of you gave your beloved flowers for Valentine's? I know some of you did. And guys, you, those, those guys, by the way, that just realized this is Valentine's Day, we'll pray for you. We like to give flowers at Valentine's. And, and, and I, I, I think we like to receive flowers at Valentine's. And when we give flowers at Valentine's, they're beautiful. They're beautiful for a while. And they last a day, two days, three days, maybe five days or so. They last. And then we know for a fact what's going to happen. They're going to die. They're going to go away. They're going to fade. They're not going to suddenly renew and flourish. And we know this so well that when it happens, we don't grab the receipt and scoop them up and return them to the florist. The flowers died. We didn't expect that. No, we expect it. And we know it's going to happen. And, and it's an illustration of 
human love in a lot of ways. I'm not saying love always dies, but our love is, is unreliable in some ways, and it, it, it disappoints on occasion, and it comes and goes, and we have to reignite that spark, and we have to apologize to each other, and, and we go on and on, and relationships are messy. We know, we know how all that is. It's not perfect. But the good news is God loves you perfectly. His love is in place for a lifetime and eternity. It will not fade. It will not fail. It will not go away. It will not change. God loves you. Isn't that good news? And he loves you so much that he gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. I heard it said once, and it stuck with me my whole life, that if I had been the only person on the planet, Jesus still would have died for me. Because he loves me that much. And he made a way for you to come back to him. If you know you're a believer in Christ, God bless you, good for you. I hope you've been refreshed in God's love for you today. Maybe you've got some struggles in human relationships. Maybe Valentine's Day is not really your favorite day because of those struggles in human relationships. But remember, God loves you. And his love is perfect, generous, intentional. He just loves you because you're you. And he made you. And he can always bring your struggles and your, your pain and your uh, heartache to him. He loves you that much. But if you never trusted Christ as your Savior, in-house or at home, I want to help you do that today. I want you to meet the God that loves you that much. I want you to meet the Savior and believe in him and trust in him and rely on that Savior that died on the cross for you. It starts with an acknowledgement that we're sinners in need of a Savior. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. We sin against God overtly at times and by omission at others, but, but we sin against our Savior. We admit that we're sinners, and, and then we acknowledge that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. That he died on the cross for you as a payment for your sin. That God gave him, the Father gave him as a sacrifice for you, because that's how much God loves you. And then we're reminded that Jesus is alive today because God raised him from the grave. That guarantees your eternal life when you trust him as your Savior. And then we say, well, we'll repent of our sins. That means we turn away from our pretense, our agenda, our sinful ways, our old habits and life. We turn away from that and we walk forward with Jesus Christ, putting our faith and our trust in him. So I want to pray with you a prayer to help you do that today. And it's a very simple prayer. In fact, God's done all the hard work. All you need to do is trust Christ as your Savior today. So I'm going to pray for us now. I'll pray for us who are believers as we reinforce that love for God and, and acknowledge again, refresh ourselves in that. And for those who would trust Christ as their Savior today, I'll pray with you to put all your faith and trust in Jesus today. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, today we pause, God, refreshed in the love of God in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, so much for the reminder that you love us because you love us. We don't have to perform, and it's not a feeling. It's because you made us, and you love us. Thank you, God, for the reminder of how you took action, how you showed that love by sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for us and raising him from the grave so he's alive today and we can have eternal life as well. God, we praise you, and we thank you for that. So, Father, for all who know today for a fact we are believers in Christ, God, we praise you, we thank you for this refreshing acknowledgement of how you love us. But for those, God, who have never trusted Christ as their Savior, I pray, Father, 
as you've spoken to our hearts, God, that we would put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, the love of God in Christ, to cleanse us of our sin, forgive us of our sin, and give us a home in heaven. Father, I pray this prayer with them today that they would put their faith in Christ. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that I can't save myself. And Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me, and that you rose from the grave and you're alive today. So Jesus, I repent of my sin. I, I, I repent of my pretense, my good works, my religion, my habits, my sins. I, I turn my away from that, God. And Jesus, I put all my faith and my trust in you. Please come into my heart and into my life. Cleanse me of sin. Give me a new life. And I commit my life to Christ today. Heavenly Father, for those who have prayed that prayer of renewal and that prayer for the first time to trust Christ, for all of us, God, I pray you would grow us in our faith. I pray we would turn our attention to you again, that we would live out the love, God, that you've shown us in Christ. Father, how we, we just praise you, God, for all that you've done for us. I pray for those who need to make a response today, Father, online or in person, that we would follow through with our decisions, Father, that we would take those steps of faith that mean we are following Christ with our whole heart and for our whole lives. So God, in this moment coming up, I pray, Father, that, that we would acknowledge and follow through in those decisions. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.